Welcome to The Clinical Entrepreneur, a business podcast that's dedicated to healthcare practitioners just like you who are hustling every day to build a business and a life you're proud of. Join me, Rhonda Nelson, as I share my own experiences and extract actionable advice from industry experts about what it takes to build and scale a profitable wellness practice. Welcome to the Clinical Entrepreneur Podcast. Today, we are going to talk some clinical strategies. I've had so many of you reach out to me, which I love. Thank you very much. But I've had so many of you reach out and ask clinical questions of late about a wide variety of topics, but the one that has piqued my interest in is always so, um, I think, clinically I don't want to say clinically challenging, but it's one of those topics that can be clinically challenging with patients. And that is dealing with blood sugar, especially like diabetes or metabolic syndrome. And it isn't that it's difficult to really address and support to provide that support. The challenge comes in working with the patients because you're dealing with diet, right? We're dealing with trying to help them implement changes in their diet, make sure that we want to make sure what they're eating is really supporting their blood sugar. And yes, yeah, sometimes that just is a no-go. So I thought I would just talk today really quickly about a little bit about blood sugar dysregulations. The two that are the most problematic for us clinically is, are going to be just diabetes, whether type one or type two, and then metabolic syndrome, which is, you know, a, an advanced version of insulin resistance. I guess it all starts with insulin resistance at some point. So, or at least type two does, uh, as well. So I thought I would just kind of give you my strategies that I've used clinically to get great results. I help, it helps to really know how to enroll the patient in what you're doing, give them, you know, some guidance and not try and expect them to change everything at one time because food is an addiction for many people. And we have to realize that you can't come in and just start like, you know, cleaning, cleaning things out. It's like the show on TV, the hoarders show, right? There are, there's some attachment to some things. And sometimes you just can't come in and start scooping stuff up and tell them they can't eat this and can't eat that. So I thought I would give you my best tips on how to deal with these kinds of patients. So before we do though, let's just talk about this epidemic we have with blood sugar in our country. You know, it's, it's this, what I call the blood sugar cascade. And that just starts with that increased glucose in their diet because they're most of the time eating. It's not like they're eating, you know, sh drinking sugar water. Although if you're in the South and you're drinking sweet tea, maybe so, but you get that increased glucose, which then leads to increased insulin. And then we end up being insulin resistant. And then we're running into type two diabetes or metabolic syndrome. And most of the diabetes cases, 90 to 95% are going to be type two. So I'll just focus on that here, but in, in adults, that's where we're going to commonly see that most of the time it's over 40. And you know, that, um, neurodegenerative diseases like dementia and Alzheimer's, you know, they call that type three diabetes. So this blood sugar has a very significant effect on a multitude of things. So when you've got a patient that has blood sugar issues, you're doing them a huge favor by helping them get their, you know, get their boat from, keep their boat from taking on water, right? We don't want any more damage. We want to be able to help them as best as we can and get them back up and running. So that blood sugar is nice and stable. So for, with metabolic syndrome, it's just another version of a kind of like type two diabetes, except that there's more of a cardiovascular risk pattern that goes along with that. It's estimated to affect about 35 to 40% of the population, which is shockingly high, shockingly 
And, but maybe not surprisingly, if you look around at the number of, you know, clinically obese patients, there are from just poor, poor food, poor diet, you know, poor dietary choices, lots of comfort food. This is what our, a lot of our patients are coming in eating. We gotta, we gotta get in their space and kind of hang with them for a little while to understand where they're coming from and then how we can help support them. So metabolic syndrome, uh, is a big, big problem. So it affects about 50% of people that are 60 age, 60 or over. So if you are serving a geriatric or elderly population, I shouldn't say that. I don't like that. Thank you very much. I'm going to take all that word back right now because I just turned 60. I don't want to be the geriatric population. I don't mind being a grandma, but I don't quite think of myself as geriatric. So let's strike that. Shall we? Anyway, it is more metabolic syndrome is seems to be a little bit more common in men than women, but often is linked to a lack of exercise, which we know exercise helps to burn that glucose out of the blood, out of the muscles. I mean, so we're going to decrease it out of the bloodstream indirectly. So there's lots of things, you know, but all at the end of the day, it really comes down to a bad diet. And that's where we have to kind of start with them. So when you have patients that come in with, you know, they're complaining about being lightheaded or shaky you know, feeling funky after a meal, or even if meals are skipped, they get afternoon headaches or they're tired and sleepy in the afternoon. You know, the number two time or the number two busiest time for a coffee shop mid afternoon. Hello. I'm probably there sometimes. Yes, I am. But yeah, mid afternoon, when you get that afternoon lull and everybody's reaching for sugar, a snack or coffee, or they just need to take a big fat nap. Um, cranky, you know, that hangry cranky before meals, depression. Remember if this is a big one, if you can write this down or just put it in your memory, mood and energy follow blood sugar. Let me say that again, mood and energy follow blood sugar. So if blood sugar's dropping and the body's not able to resurrect it, which we'll talk about in a minute. If blood sugar is dropping, mood is going to drop and the energy is going to drop. So look for the times for your patients that they're complaining about having low energy. Are they waking up feeling tired? Might be blood sugar. Are they getting that afternoon lull where they just want to take a nap? Think blood sugar, right? Low energy, low mood, low blood sugar. Okay. Blood sugar comes first and then the other two symptoms follow. So just, you know, start to, I, I always think sometimes People are, I would say they're guilty of blood sugar dysregulation unless proven innocent. I'm going to assume that they have some kind of blood dysregulation, blood sugar dysregulation in general, because most people do, they just have kind of crappy diets. So here are my tips. You ready? That was just a little precursor, a little warm you up conversation. So here are my tips. This is how I think about it. When I have a patient that comes in and chats with me and I know there's weight that needs to go away. There's a bad diet. There's some, you know, other, I see some other markers, lipids are off, you know, all that waist circumference is high HDLs are low. I know that I've got some dysregulation. The first thing I'm going to do is I really want them to get that. I am talking to them and I get them. The last thing I want to do is come at them with a list of do's and don'ts. I don't want to do that, but here's what I know I need to consider. Okay. So if you're, if you can take notes, here's where you want to take notes. Here's what you need to consider with every single blood sugar case. Everyone you want to first consider their diet, their snacking and the timing of their meals. Okay. So diet snacking and meal timing. In other words, 
how are, when are they eating? Are they waking up at 6am and eating and then having a 10am snack and a 2pm meal and a 4pm meal? And is it, or are they going all day and only eating dinner? Either one can dysregulate blood sugar. So diet snacking meal timing. You also want to look at the health of the adrenal glands, specifically the glucocorticoids, gluco meaning glucose corticoids. These are these hormones that help us regulate blood sugar. So stress management, cortisol production, all of that, you have to consider that. And also liver and glycogen storage. Sometimes they just don't have enough glycogen stored in the liver and we need to just support that whole process. It might be that the pancreas is unable to respond or has just been you know, worn out from years and years and years and years of a high sugar, high carbohydrate, you know, not a good, healthy diet. And then last but not least is upper digestion, specifically gallbladder and CCK. So cholecystokinin is responsible for uh, pancreatic secretions as well as bile release. So we want to make sure that that whole di upper digestive system is working as well. So there's a lot to consider, right? That was five things. So I'll go over them again. If you're taking notes, diet snacking and meal timing. So that has to do with what's going in the mouth. Then we want to look at adrenal health, cortisol, and those glucocorticoids. So that's blood sugar regulation. We want to look at liver and glycogen storage. We want to think about the pancreas. And then we want to think about just digestion in general. How well are they breaking down their food and how well is the gallbladder and CCK working now that's all in the back of my mind, but I'm not going to come at the patient with all of that because a it's overwhelming B they can't do anything about it. Anyway, they need my help. So here's the five things that I like to do. I'm keeping those five things in mind, but here are the five things that I'm going to do right in the beginning. This is in the very beginning. First of all, I'm going to acknowledge their biggest concern because when they talk to you about having diabetes or some other kind of blood sugar dysregulation, you know, the story that's going on in their mind is, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to give up all this good food. What am I going to eat? I'm probably going to have to go on this crazy diet. You know, that's what they're thinking. So let's just talk about the elephant in the room. Let's just get it right out in the open. I just tell them, look, I'm not here to put you on the apples and paprika diet. I, that is not my job. I am not here to tell you that you can't eat everything in the whole world. You only have to eat these five foods or whatever this restrictive to them. It feels very restrictive. I just say, look, I'm not here to tell you to do that. What I am going to do is help you make some slow and steady changes that are going to start to help you feel better. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to be much more receptive to hear what I have to say, because I've just acknowledged their biggest fear. I'm telling you, it is the number one thing they're worried about. The number one thing is that they're going to have to go on this really crazy, ridiculous diet. and They can't eat all their good foods. And yes, at the end of the day, that might be what I need to do, but I'm not going to start out that way because they're going to just like take their checkbook and run. They're never going to come back. And I want to be able to help them. So I, first of all, number one. If you had like five, these are my kind of my five steps for supporting blood sugar. Number one, acknowledge their biggest fear, which is, oh my gosh, you're going to make me take everything out of my diet. I'm going to have to eat health food for Pete's sakes. Okay. So acknowledge their fear. Tell them you're not there to do that. You're there to help and you and the patient together, you're going to just do it one little bit at a time. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to be much more receptive. Second thing that I like to tell them is I want to give them something that's going to give them a quick win. And there are two things, two supplements that I use for that. The first one is Jim Nema. 
Gymnema will knock out a good quality Gymnema. Do not think you can go to the just GNC or the local health food store, Dr. Google or Amazon and find a good quality Gymnema. Not gonna happen. It has to be therapeutically potent enough that it's the gymnemic acids are at a certain level, a, a therapeutic level that is going to make a difference for the patient. So I use gymnema from Mediherb. They are the best quality herbs in the world. Not going to argue about it, period. That's it. All done. Science behind it, the whole thing. So I'm going to use gymnema from Mediherb. So what I know gymnema will do, number one, it's going to help decrease your appetite. Number two, and more importantly, it's going to knock out the sugar cravings and the sweet cravings. That's really the big problem is they're after either the carbs or they might be after salt, but it's usually carb sugar or carbs bread. Either way, the gymnema is going to help. So I tend to dose it a little bit high for the first month, but my experience, this is just my clinical experience. I can see that in about five to seven, never more than 10 days, their sugar cravings are down to nothing. I mean, if they were a 10 before, they're probably a two. Enough that their own willpower could say, mm, nah, I don't want that. I have seen it hundreds of times. I've experienced it myself. I used to be a Reese's, uh, Reese's peanut butter cup, junior mint girl. And when my kids were little, little, I would go to the store and buy at the checkout. They have all the candy bars right by the checkout. And I would buy Reese's peanut butter cups and junior mints. And, and then I would hide them because I wanted to eat them because my husband would get mad at me if I was eating all that crap. So I would just hide them. And I was very large. I weighed a lot at the time and I didn't know, I just had all these. And so then I started getting into all of this world of alternative holistic medicine. And I found Jim Nima and I thought, Oh, I'm going to try it. And by golly, within 10 days, I'll never forget the day I walked by the, the sugary stuff, the Reese's peanut butter cups. And I, I distinctly remember looking at them thinking, mm, no, I, nah, I don't want one. And I shocked myself. I was like, who said that? Who jumped in my body and just said they did not want a Reese's peanut butter cup? What the heck? But it just works. So I use gymnema with these patients because I know that it will knock down the sugar craving. It also extends the life of insulin. So it does all kind of helps increase satiety, decreases the need for the sweets. It can be, if you hold it on the tongue, it'll anesthetize the taste buds for about an hour, hour and a half. So they literally cannot taste anything sweet. We often do the, what's called the gymnema taste test. And we'll use like a Hershey's kiss and some gymnema and you put the gymnema, I'll have them hold it on their tongue for about a minute or so swallow, and then put the Hershey's kiss on the tongue. And it just tastes like wax, literally the sweet taste receptors on the tongue cannot taste anymore. So gymnema is amazing for Mediherb. So I use gymnema. I use a fairly high dose for the first month, like six tabs. So two TID three times a day for about the first month. And then I drop it after that. But after 10 days, they're like ridiculous fans. Now that the cravings are gone, I, they now are much more willing to make the dietary changes because the cravings are gone. So do you see how I'm coming at this? I'm, I'm kind of being a like blood sugar psychologist, I guess. So I'm going to knock down the sugar cravings. The second thing that I do is I give them inositol 
Standard Process makes these little inositol tablets that are sweet like candy. They're very, very good for blood sugar as well. They're a part of the B complex. Uh, and they just work great. So if they do get into a situation where they just need something sweet, like after a meal, or they're just got the munchies in the middle of the afternoon, I give them a bottle of inositol, these little tablets. And I say, go to town, eat as many as you want. Don't care. Unlimited eat, whatever you want. If the worst case scenario, it might make your stool a little bit watery and you'll be fine. And they will usually have three or four or five and they chew them up and they are sweet, sweet. And they're wonderful. They're so good. And that is doing two things. One, it's providing something for them to get in their mouth to kind of satisfy that emotional or psychological sugar craving, but it's also helping me with blood sugar management. Win-win. So that's number two. I want to get a quick win for them. I want to knock the sugar cravings down and give them that substitute. But then once that happens, now I can start to really address the diet. But the, I don't let them leave after that appointment when I'm first talking about this and without some kind of dietary guidance. It's not like a free-for-all. You just get to go eat whatever you want. So what I do is I tell them, okay, look, we're going to just make one simple change to your diet. Are you game? Just one. And it's not a hard one. It's a super easy one. I'm like, okay. I said, I'm not putting you on a diet. I promise. There's just one thing. Well, kind of two things, but one, one big thing. And they listen. And I say, it's really easy and you can do it. All I want you to do is eat breakfast and it can't be like a bagel or a donut or toast or just coffee or cereal or orange juice or whatever. No, no, no. I want you to eat a real breakfast, like eggs and bacon and uh, some avocado. And they just look at me like, are you kidding me? And I go, no, it's going to be a little work on your part. Or you could have like a smoothie with some protein powder and I can help you with, give you the protein powder and recommend that but I want you to eat a real breakfast before you go to work. You cannot go to work or get up in the morning and not eat a real breakfast. Now patients like there's like, you're telling me to eat. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I am. I need you to eat what I call a PFC protein, fat, carb. And the carb is just basically fruit or veggie. So eggs and bacon and a little salad or eggs and bacon, and maybe some avocado or whatever they want. Just as long as they, if they eat breakfast, I am so happy. That's all that I give them to do. The second thing I kind of ask them to do, I'll say, look, okay, if there's one thing that you think you could give up in your diet that you know is probably not great for you, what would that one thing be? And they'll usually pop off and say something like, you know, chips, or they'll tell you, they'll tell you what their no-no food is. And if they're willing to knock it off, then if they're willing to give it up, then I'm game. I'm down for that. Say, then great. Let's do that. How do you feel about that? Can we try it for a week? And I just try and get them enrolled in the process. I don't want it to be just me issuing the orders. So I say, okay, I want you to eat breakfast every day, but is there one food that you could either give up or you could cut back? And they always say yes, always. So now I have buy-in. I'm good with that. Now that's number three. Number four Now I say, all right, we're going to, I think about how am I going to support this whole blood sugar system? So this involves like stress management and how am I going to support the pancreas? And do we need adrenal support? Do I need to get increased glycogen storage in the liver? Do I need to provide chromium or trace minerals? Or what do I need to do for this particular patient? to help them. And that's one of the things that you, you just, as a clinician, you got to decide where do you feel like you want to start? If they're a complete stress basket and they're stress eating, 
then maybe you calm that business down first. That's your first order of business. Get that working. You can't rebuild Rome in a day. So don't feel like you can't give them everything you need to all at one time. This is just a process. So they're going to get involved. You're going to get a little involved and then we're good. But I always try and send them home with something. So I'm going to use gymnema and inositol if there's high sugar cravings. And then usually one, maybe, maybe two other things. So I might use like adrenal tonic from MediHerb. I might use Diaplex. I might use Cataplex GTF. Those are just products that I love from standard process, but I, you, you know, pick, if you use a different supplement company, good go, you know, do you, but pick the ones that you think are going to feed the blood sugar system. Okay. Maybe like, uh, the, the four herbs that I love that are in metabol complex are fenugreek, bitter melon, cinnamon, and nigella. And those four herbs do a phenomenal job with helping to regulate blood sugar. So whatever you need to do, you do that. So that's where you're going to add your supplements. And then the last thing that I do is I have them find some kind of exercise that they love and will do. And if they'd liked exercise, they probably would have been doing it by now. So this is one of the ones that usually will come in later, because if I, again, come at them and say, okay, you have to cut out all grains and no, no dairy. And that means no cheese and you can't have, you know, grains at all. And that means any kind of wheat, oats, barley, rye, no oatmeal. Don't eat any of that. Be sure you get grass fed beet, make sure that it's organic. And also make sure you get chicken, but get chicken with the skin on. And then the chicken, you see how we do, we have all these rules and eventually we'll get there. But that first appointment, and as you're working with that patient, that's not the time to do that. When we want to do, what we want to do is build trust get them a quick win, address the diet, start with breakfast and ask them what the one thing is they're going to give up, give them a few things to support whatever part of the whole system needs support. Remember liver, adrenals, et cetera. And then be thinking about exercise. What can they do? It might just be stretching. It might just be taking, can you just take a 10 minute walk every day or five minutes? Can you just get up and do like a minute of jumping jacks? One minute, set your timer, 60 seconds, jumping jacks, or you know, marching in place, anything just to get them moving. And that's how I start with these patients. And I'll tell you over the years, I didn't start like this. I used to give them the big, long, you know, don't eat this, do this, be sure you eat this, get it grass fed. No, blah, blah, blah. I used to do all that. And now I don't do any of that. It's a waste of my breath and it's a waste of their hearing. And so I just say, that's it. What we're going to do is we're going to start simple. We're going to start with the basics. And as the blood sugar starts to improve, and as they get that quick win, then they're more inclined to do the additional things, to take the next step, to start removing things from their diet that they otherwise would have been very, very oppositional to. And now they're willing to work with me and the weight starts to come off and they start to feel better. And they're not reaching for the coffee. Like it's a win-win all the way around. So at the end of the day, less is really more. When you're dealing with patients that have blood sugar issues, less is more. I have found you'll get further faster if you start slower. I know it's a little counterintuitive, but start with less and you'll make better progress because the patient will push back to you. You're not going to get, you know, rebound sugar addiction coming out. And it's a monster when that thing shows up. So you make the protocol simple, you keep the dietary changes simple, and then set reasonable expectations. Give them your expectations. Like, okay, here are the terms, here's the terms of the deal, my friend. Like, this is what I expect from you. And then I want to, and then this is what you can expect from me. 
this is what I'm going to do. This is what you're going to do. We're going to work on this together. And then when you, when they know that you get it and you get them, then they are going to do everything they can to try and make you proud. And that's really what we want with patients like this, right? We want to, especially when they're challenging because blood sugar and food things, food is addictive. We all have addiction to food, all of us in some way or another, mine still mint chip ice cream and never have it. But I recently, I can't believe I'm telling you all this, but recently found out that they have keto mint chip ice cream bars and I'm kind of hooked. And I probably should have never known that that should have been a secret that someone should have kept from me. They should have not had them in stock every time I happened to look just to see what kind of new mint chip product is. I'd never buy it, but now these keto bars that are mint chip. Oh man, they're so good. So anyway, you know, sugar, we can't take the sugar addict out of the girl. I mean, but well, maybe you can, but I still love the flavor. So the patients are just like that. Like you're never going to get rid of it, but you just have to teach them how to modify their behavior. So, all right, friend, that's it. There's my clinical tip for you for this week. So was that super helpful for you? I hope that it was because I have got kind of a secret surprise for you this week. If you are looking for more clinical support and you're not sure what to do with these patients that walk in the door that have all these complex things, or just maybe something simple, like, you know, they're, they're bloated or they're burping, or they have hormone issues, or they have, you know, whatever the digestive thing, whatever health condition you have going on. And you're just not sure what to do. I know that feeling like when I started out in practice, and even after I had been doing this for a while, this, you know, functional medicine work, I still, I was like, oh, I don't know what to do first. I, I don't know where to go first. What's my first step. Do I work on digestion? Do I work on adrenals? Like, what do I do? I don't know what to do that. My friend is the problem that I really tried hard to solve by starting a membership called clinical Academy and clinical Academy is exclusive for wellness practitioners. It is not for patients. And what I do is I'll teach you how to treat those conditions, how to work with those conditions, support them when they walk in the door in a body form, right? That patient comes in with that complex case. There are over 40 different topics, clinical topics. They're in little bite-sized pieces and they're relevant because they come from my own clinical experience. After 20 years in clinical practice, I basically took what was in my brain and I dumped it out into these little lessons and topics that are help guide you, give you the protocols and all the things. So normally clinical academies only open twice a year. We only open it for new members twice a year, but just for my podcast family, for all of you, all my friends in podcast land, we are going to open up clinical Academy for a very short period of time, only a few weeks. So if you'd like to get in before we open it later this year, you go to rondanelson.com forward slash join CA join CA that stands for clinical Academy. So this library of information is completely searchable. So I think probably the feedback that I get most from practitioners that are in there, we have hundreds of practitioners. The feedback I get most often is they love the search feature. So literally a patient walks in, or you're looking at the, the new, your new patient notes and you see a condition, something going on. You think, ah, oh, I'm not sure what to do with that. All you have to do is you go in and you literally type that in like diabetes type two diabetes or whatever it is. And it will bring you up, bring up all the mentions that I ever made of that thing. And you can find protocols, resources, 
patient, um, like patient handouts that you can use and repurpose, give to your patients. There's so much good information and there's a little business building in there as well. So go to rondanelson.com forward slash join CA, check it out for a month, see how easy it is, how well you like it. And listen, if it doesn't float your boat at the end of the day, all you have to do is cancel. You're in it for a month and that's it. There's no big deal. Cause I want it to be right for you. And if it's not bag out friend bag out, but I think once you get in, you're going to love it. So rondanelson.com forward slash join CA. It's only going to be open for a few weeks. I'll let you know. Um, in the podcast when we're going to close it down. So probably two or three weeks, we'll leave it open. Anyway, thanks for joining me. I love having you listen in every single week. I'll be back next week with more of the Clinical Entrepreneur Podcast. <music>